For those who are just joining us, uh, my name is RJ, and I have with me our good friend Nathan Lee. And this is a proof of concept uh, broadcast. It's a brand new program that we're going to be fine tuning over the days and weeks ahead, wherein we speak to someone from the community locally that has a, a real passion for something, something unique, something that others may not get necessarily. They say, why do you spend so much time doing that thing? Well, we're going to be bringing on the people who do that thing to tell you what makes that thing so well worth doing. And I thought, who, who's the biggest nerd I know? <laughs> I'm going to call Nathan. No, Nathan is one of the greatest guys in the world. We've known each other. How long have we known each other, Nathan? Uh, about 20 years, about I think. 20 years, give Pretty or close. take. Give or take. And uh, he is not only is he a, an incredibly talented individual, he's also a very thoughtful guy and a good friend. And he has been graciously uh, offering his time this, this evening. We're recording this on Sunday. It's going to go out and be edited uh, Monday. So I'll send you the link to that, Nathan. If it yeah. if, if, if it works, if it's any good, I'll send you the link to that. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're right. But uh, yeah, so we're going to be ta talking with people like Nathan uh, over the next little while about uh, their passions, the things that they enjoy doing. And the goal being that maybe their passion will inspire you and your passion. Maybe Nathan talking about board games is enough yeah. to get you to get up off your couch and say, you know what? I too have a passion for playing board games online with people. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I should mention that if you're interested, uh, if you have a passionate hobby uh, or a pastime or something, something about you that you say, you know, I am not the only person who is this passionate about this thing. And you may, uh, you know, may want to spread the word. Let me know and we'll chat about it. My email address is Radio Rando. That's R-A-D-I-O, Rando, R-A-N-D-O, Radio Rando at gmail.com. Rando, of course, as you know, radio means radio and Rando means just some guy. Yeah, <laughs> which, yes. which really does sum it up. So <laughs> RadioRando at gmail.com. If you've got any thoughts, ideas, questions, comments, and concerns, one aspect of this that we had hoped to do for this week's program was to do it live streamed on YouTube uh, earlier in the week and then take questions and comments and all that stuff. And so yeah. Nathan could answer them in real time. And yes. then we would process the audio portion for this broadcast. Uh, but according to YouTube, because I've been lax in paying any attention, they said, oh, hey, congratulations. We will start allowing you to do that in 23 hours. Actually, yes. what, it says, <laughs> what does it say right now? I think I still have the link up. It says how long. Um, Just hitting yes. refresh repeatedly. Well, only 23 hours and seven minutes before. Yeah. <laughs> so that's neither here nor there. Let's back up. Let's back up. Nathan Lee and uh, two of his compatriots have put together a YouTube channel called Legendary Tactics, which when we last checked had 16,000 or 16.2 thousand subscribers yes. by now. Who knows how yes. high that number by is. The <laughs> by the time this airs. time this airs. But that, let's put it this way. By the time 16,000 people have listened to this, you'll be into the millions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I also wanted to ask you about board games themselves. Because yeah. you obviously, if you're, if you're playing them online, it's because you have a passion for board games, physical board games. Yeah, and I mean, board games have really gone under, a, they've had a lot of evolution over the last 25 years or so um because growing up i mean like everyone else i played risk i played uh monopoly i played uh scrabble and and so forth um but about 20 well 27 years ago um there was a game that came out called settlers of Catan, mm -hmm. and that game 
popularized board games again because they'd been in a bit of a lull. They were, you know, there was nothing necessarily that interesting going on. Uh, there was uh, the the hobby was in a bit of a slump uh, at that time. There were companies that were going out of business. Uh, Parker Brothers had been bought out by Hasbro in '91. Milton Bradley had been bought out previous to that. Um, there's a, a, a war game company called Avalon Hill went uh, out of business in '98. Well, it was again purchased by Hasbro. Everything's Hasbro now. Um, but um, but there was a bit of a lull, and and in '95, Settlers of Catan came out. And suddenly it was, everyone was playing it. It was a game that just kind of got everyone into the experience of playing a board game again, which is primarily a social experience. Mm. And while we do digital games on the channel, I mean, a lot of that is just for practical purposes. We we can't be driving back and forth and, you know, um, and setting up the game and playing it. It's just not, the digital space gives us the uh, ability to play you know, almost pretty much daily if we if we mm-hmm. have the time without having to drive around and and find a play space and stuff. So it's it's a more of a of, of an aspect of convenience than anything else. But well, we want know, to still convey the social aspect of playing a game together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the fun part. Well, and it is about it is a social game. I mean, solitaire yeah. being the notable exception. Yes. Well, and, and they, that's where the the game industry has kind of been changing in recent years. So. Catan came out and there were some other really popular games, the train game, uh, Ticket to Ride. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of them, but they were quite popular. And the, now, 25 years on, the, the, the hobby is, has been exploding in growth the last number of years. I can't remember exactly how many games there are, new games released per year, but it's in the area of about a thousand. And wow. they cover all sorts of themes and all sorts of... Uh, you know genres and and everything it's it's just you can really pick and choose a game based on your interests um or or what have you they've got um games based on classic literature like lord of the ring lord of the rings sorry where they've got there's just almost a game for every every uh, possible interest you can find you know a theme that that suits you now my what i personally lean towards are games that are a little more complex um, a little more involved, you know, the kind of game which takes maybe, you know, three, four hours to play, uh, something along those lines. You're thinking even you're, a bit longer. And you're thinking more of uh, along the lines of strategy games. Yeah, where they you tend need, to be where you more. Need to, yeah. yeah, because I'm thinking, uh, because as you say, different genres of games, the so different, you know, age levels and things, but there's also yep. the different types of games in the sense that there are games where it's like Candyland, it's just a roll of dice and yes. there's no strategy whatsoever involved. And then you've got games like Settlers of Catan, where there is strategy, but there's also bargaining with one another. Yep. I remember I played Settlers of Catan when I first played it. First of all, I didn't know you could build a road with just logs and sheep. Yes. I didn't know that could, I didn't know you could do that. But apparently that's the way it runs. We you can, so yeah, much, if you do a trade in and yeah. We have, yeah, we had yeah. a lot of fun playing that game. Uh, but those games are so radically different as far as something like Trivial Pursuit. Yes. Well, games have moved so far from that old roll and move mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's it's really almost roll and move is is seen as as a really antiquated and and there's not many games nowadays that are roll and move. It's is that is that is that your is that your way of slamming? Is that like is that a derogatory term for games? It is, yeah, it has become oh, more derogatory. There there are yeah. some games with a lot of luck in them, but 
Uh, but Roland Move is is kind of the lowest of the low at the moment. <laughs> now, that said, though, the whole social side of things, what's also interesting is that the game has also created a lot of space. Uh, well, I'll say just before I say that, the, not only the, the social side of it, but there's a whole genre of games that have opened up where they, it's actually cooperative. Mm-hmm. The first game I played of that genre was a game called pandemic which was interestingly enough was it's no big... game it's no game Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but basically each each player is on the same side you're you're one person takes a uh, a medic one person takes a researcher and one person takes a scientist role and you're all working together against the game system mm. so the the diseases are multiplying and you're trying to cure them before the things get out of hand now that was the first one but it's opened up a whole genre of cooperative games where everyone's on the same team Mm -hmm. so it allows people that are not naturally competitive to still enjoy the experience because they don't have to compete against they're competing against a, a, a game system a faceless enemy if you will and then on the other side of the spectrum you have solo games and that's another it's it's pretty rare now for a game to be released that does not have some sort of a solo mode or so a solitaire uh, option um, because especially during the pandemic it was one of the ways that people passed time was in uh, playing these games solitaire and getting you know uh, a, a great experience out of uh, out of that and typically you're competing against the game system again but it's you're you're you know it's a almost like a puzzle i i always view that as uh, those type of games as like a a moving puzzle something you're trying to solve but that you know everything keeps moving on you so you have to constantly evaluate what's the best you know piece to put in place next well, and i think that's a good analogy because puzzles as we know are jigsaw puzzles at least are something that you can do by yourself or you yeah. can do with 30 people you can be 10 you can be 110 Yes. You know, However, puzzles tend to be more of a solitaire experience. They do tend to be. Exactly. Almost like yeah. a meditative experience in many ways. And mm-hmm. that's fine. You know, there's there's room for that as well. And I think that's what's neat about the the hobby is that it's expanded and and the, you know, I interviewed a designer recently and he said the toolbox of available game mechanics that a designer has available now because of all the the evolution that's happened over the last number of years is so much wider than it was back when compared to when Monopoly was invented or, Mm -hmm. or, or risk or something like that, where they really only had a small toolbox of a few different options as far as how they could do something. Mm -hmm. And now there's tons of options. Well, now as as a gentleman that you have said that you really enjoy the strategy games and those to me, and and I'm, I I enjoy playing games and I, and so don't misunderstand me, but I don't know. The reason you're here talking about games and I'm here listening and learning about games is because I don't know that much about the the the, the, the things that you know about, which is, which yes. is what makes you special, which is which you know makes you someone that people can learn from and and uh, yeah. adjust their own level of well, understanding. Yeah. Well, for me, yeah. it's it's not even necessarily about the strategy. A lot of times, a lot of times these games are based in the history, and that's mm-hmm. what has always intrigued me is the idea that. You can actually instead you can read a book about it, and that's great. But if you are in the shoes of that general, if you're Wellington mm-hmm. at Waterloo or Napoleon, you know, invading uh, Russia back in 1812, or like to to have the experience of like, hey, if it were me, what would I have done? 
And the interesting part is none of of us, none none of us would have gone into Russia. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Short answer. None none of us would have done it. But but if it, but what's interesting is sometimes the game puts you in that position and you end up making similar decisions based on, you know, the, the situation you're making the best decision that Mm -hmm. in your mind you could make. And it ended up following the historical uh, situation. And and I've always found that fascinating in that, you can have a you can take a completely different direction um or you can you know just make the best decision but a lot of times the best decisions in the game are the same decisions that napoleon made back in the day because based on the information he had at that time or at least it gives you so, at least it gives do. you some sense of you know the, the nothing is carved in stone when you're playing a game it can go anyway it can. anything can happen and in in history Thing we know how things went to the best yes. of our understanding and knowledge, but things could have at any moment have gone in any one of yes. a thousand different directions. So that so that I can see the relation there. Just a chance to live that history to to see what that might have felt like or been like to be in that situation. Mm. But I, I can give you one example of a game which is uh, incredibly immersive in that way. Um, there's a game called Twilight Struggle, which actually recreates the Cold War between the United States and uh, the USSR. Yeah. And what's neat about it is the game may not play out exactly historically, even though it includes a lot of historical events and you'll learn a lot of history playing it. But what's interesting is it's the feeling of playing it. It's the feeling of seeing those <clears throat> those countries, that domino effect where the the countries are all going red despite your best efforts and the panic, like the, the sense of tension involved as, as you're on the brink of a nuclear apocalypse and trying to, you know, work with the tools that you have to try and get the stuff done. And, and it just feels like the other side is always winning, but you don't realize your opponent feels the same. They feel like, you you know, you're winning Mm -hmm. and the decision making it, it is actually, I, in many ways, it's a gr- it's a great game. It's not always fun, though. It actually can be quite stressful. Not, not like the actual thought. Cold War. <laughs> it, yeah, but you feel that same tension, that same. Uh, I think it it conveys that uh, that sense of the history. Yeah, we also kind of get into what the... that must have been like to see, uh, you know, uh, Vietnam go to you know install a communist government. Just you know, despite well, all the also, efforts. You you also get into where it is game as propaganda because you know it's it's hard to it's hard to you know separate the fact that the game was it wasn't made by the Soviets it was made by a guy oh of course yeah the, and also you look back you think about Monopoly which originally was created to my understanding it was it was made by a woman who wanted to show the dangers of allowing a monopolistic system to yes grow and it yes. was supposed to be which is why all Monopoly games are supposed to end in rage. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, the original but, it was the landlord's game. Was it was landlord's, but then, but then, what happened is over time it became no. You want to have a monopoly. It became kind of co opted and as a yes. propaganda kind of. So we're getting a little bit off topic. But yeah, it's no, no, I don't think we are. I mean, I think that every game has a, sp- a certain you know viewpoint, and just like a book does. Mm-hmm, and I true. think that you know what's neat is if you play different games about the same battle or the same era it can give you different perspectives on the same uh, on the same events. And mm-hmm. it's just like reading a different book on the topic, except yeah. I've always just loved how it, you can make it interactive mm-hmm. and you're not just a passive, you know, reader. 
you're actually engaged in uh, a process where you're, you know, you're learning that history, but actually kind of being there in a sense. When you think about strategy games, those are the games that do take several hours to play sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And and the books are the books tend to be thicker. The rule books, more yeah. rules, the rule books. What would you what would be a good gateway drug or game for anyone that's looking that maybe they're interested in doing it and want to get their families or their friends involved, but they may not be gamers? Yes. Be yeah. Good... Um every every audience is uh is different um if someone hasn't played say settlers of Catan, i think that's a great uh gateway game and ticket to ride as well um if you want to if if players are interested in in history um i mean it would depend on the era but there are are games of varying levels of complexity for a lot of the famous you know if you think of the famous say conflicts uh, American Civil War, World War II, World War One. There's, there's games of various complexities, something like Axis and Allies, um, which is a, a classic, uh, mm-hmm. almost 40-year-old game now uh, that was originally published by Milton Bradley. Um, so that's an, an, a great and fun kind of entry-level uh, game, which uh, it take, might take a while to play, but it's not hard to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a, a style of game called the euro game which is tends to be more economic in nature and uh where you're trying to you know almost like build up a little economy i guess you could say but it doesn't have to be based in economics for example there is a game that i think would be a great uh entry level game called wingspan mm-hmm. where and it doesn't sound that interesting but it actually the way it plays really it's a beautiful game it's aesthetically beautiful and it's actually a beautiful design is you are collecting birds essentially and you're playing them into different habitats. And every time you do that, you get certain bonuses and all that stuff, but that's a really nice game that you can even play with the kids and um, with non gamers and they would likely appreciate it. And it's something that it has a a fair amount of depth, but you can also just play it just for the the joy of, of playing a, a game where you're, you know, and it's not tremendously competitive either. It's you're competing, but it's just for points and you're not, uh, you know, tearing down the other person's habitat, you know, setting fire to their, <laughs> to their forest or anything, you know, but it's, it's quite a, a I think a good uh, entry level game and it's been quite popular. And, and the designer actually just came out with another kind of version of that, but with butterflies and oh. uh, I haven't had a chance to play that, but it's, you know, there's a lot of really unique games out there that, um, that are also very accessible. Okay. Um, so I would start start with a theme maybe or or a, a something or an aesthetic that you enjoy, um, mm-hmm. and you can start there. And Nathan, I can't thank you enough for helping me out here this week, and we're going to have you back again very, very soon. In the meantime, check out Nathan Lee's phenomenal channel. You can be the 16.2,001st person <laughs> to uh, sign on as a subscriber of The Goal. The goal was to hit 25,000 by March. Yeah, we'd love to get there by the end of the year. By the end of the year. By the end of the either way, go out and support uh, local YouTube channels and our good friend Nathan Lee. It doesn't get any more local than than yourself. So thanks so much for joining us. It's Legendary Tactics. That's where you go. Uh, And how do people find you on the social medias? Same way? Um, Well, we're under Legendary Tactics on on Twitter and Instagram mainly. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, YouTube. But uh, um, that's where I I would look for us. Excellent. All right, Nathan, thanks so much. Get some sleep and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. 
You've been tuned into a proof of concept broadcast of a brand new program here on Midtown Radio called The Best of What's Out There. My name is Randolph J, and the premise of this show each week will be to speak with a local hobbyist or enthusiast about their passions and hopefully inspire others to do the same. We will be live streaming each week and fielding your questions in real time, then editing that live stream down to a 60-minute podcast, which will air at this hour on midtownradio.ca. If you'd like to learn more, or if you're a hobbyist and you'd like to talk about becoming a guest on a future broadcast, please do email radiorando at gmail.com, or you can find Mondo Rando on Facebook. Mondo Rando is the YouTube channel so you'll be able to uh, get all of the information as we schedule our first live stream. Until then, have a wonderful day. Stay tuned for more great programming on midtownradio.ca.